0: everyone good to have everybody in the house come on turn your neighbors say it's good to see you this morning you're looking good this morning go and tell them you're looking good this morning man it is great to be uh, with you this morning live and in person somebody say amen to that it's always good to be together come on with the people you love somebody somebody agree with me this morning you know I I I, got just got done speaking at the 830 service we had a great time in the 830 service and walking across the street and and uh, Carrie says man you were preaching kind of aggressive today and so um, I'm gonna apologize ahead of time for aggressive preaching okay um, I don't know if that was actually a good thing or 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 what but we'll figure it out this morning um, I'm looking forward to, to bringing the word of how I've had in my spirit over the last little while I've been feeling like like God wants to take us it's time to move into the future what God has for us how many are looking forward to the future the future is not a bad thing, the future is a good thing, amen. So I want to just, just before we get into the message this morning, I want to I talk about a couple things, uh, just to kind of fill you in on what's going on. Number one, our Wednesday night midweek services are back. Uh, this past week we had our first midweek of the, of the, uh, the brand new year. Um, Bryn and Drew both spoke, I, I, and I, I kind of did a recap on Sunday, we were talking about the future, it was a fantastic midweek service this week we begin a brand new Bible study out of the book of Malachi uh, at the end of our end of 2020's Bible reading plan uh, we, we were reading in Malachi and Pastor Carl really got impressed on his heart uh, a, a teaching series in Malachi I'm really looking forward to it I think it's going to be really timely for us at, uh, at this season and so hey if you, if you want to if, if you'd love to be a part of that show up on Wednesdays at seven uh, if you're unable to come you can also also stream that service but it's just not quite the same as being together so I encourage you to, to do that that also i want to i want to kind of make mention if you have noticed over the last couple of weeks we've had the blessing the privilege of having pastor stephen and monique in the building in live and in person all right now may, some of you may not know who pastor stephen and monique are and that's because for the past many years they've been serving as campus pastors at our north campus in fullerton at the end of the, at the end of 2020 during our conference our 10-4 conference We did make the decision, God put on uh, Pastor Stephen and Monique's heart, uh, to begin a brand new campus. And so we announced uh, that we were going to be starting up a new campus, and uh, we were looking forward to that and excited about that. However, because because of the situation going on in our world, it's kind of a hard time. to to start a new campus anywhere. You you guys can understand the different reasonings. And so what we've decided to do is is we decided to bring Stephen and back here with us. They're gonna be in a little bit of a holding pattern. And so we just figured, let's take advantage of them while they're in this holding pattern and get them here, back here with us. And so uh, I'm excited about that. I just wanted to kind of maybe answer any questions that anybody has, that's why they're here. They're just kind of getting ready uh, for us to kick them out again, again, so. Feel free to kind of, if you want, they want to get involved, I'm sure. Stephen and Monique, they want to do stuff. And so you'll, you'll be seeing uh, Pastor Stephen up here from time to time, but they're going to be involved in ministry, and, and we're excited to have them back. Is anybody excited about that? Come on. Let's give the Lord some praise for that. That's awesome. Meanwhile, we're gonna be putting in new campus leadership uh, for the foreseeable future in the Fullerton campus, and we'll be talking more about that next week. And so, just exciting stuff going on, amen. So, all that stuff out of the way, let's release our children to their Sunday school classrooms. I walked to the back, and I noticed we had some brand new volunteers in our children's ministry, and I just wanna say how, how wonderful that is. We need new volunteers. You'd say, well, I'd like to be a part of ministry in that way. You can just go and talk to the to our to our uh, we have a we have a person right there at the front of children's ministry if you're interested in volunteering you can inquire about how to do that right there Uh, we need help in the children's ministry and so uh we're excited about that i I went back there this morning and seeing seeing them uh serving it's it's really 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 cool amen so let's jump into this this message this morning and i have to be honest with you i was i was going through this message Kind of my, my routine is I'll write, a, I'll write a sermon in the week and try to finish by about Thursday. And then Friday and Saturday, I don't, even ever, I don't even look at it again. I try not to even think about it. And then Sunday morning, I'll get up extra early, kind of go through it and do that. So I was doing that this morning, and I looked over at my wife, and I was like, man, I don't, I don't, there's a lot here. You know, it's, it's going to be hard for me to get this done in the, the allotted amount of time. And, and so... That being said, she said, cut some out. And I said, I can't, it's too good. It's too much good stuff in here. And so what that means is I'm going to talk fast and furious today, okay? So if you're here this morning or online, listen, you're going to have to buckle your seatbelts and get ready to go, all right? Because what I'm, going to come at you, I'm going to come at you fast and furious. I need some people to say amen today, and let me know that you're agreeing with me and that you're alive and awake. It's a great day today. The Cleveland Browns are in the playoffs this, today, so that's exciting. So there's a lot of pent-up energy inside of me this morning, and so we're going to have a great time in the house of the Lord. How many believe? believe that God has made a promise regarding your future. If you believe that shout amen. I believe that God is a promise-keeping God and if he's given you a promise about your future, he will do it. We we talked last week that that, that God is a God who speaks. His vocabulary is dreams, is visions, and prophecy. When God speaks to us, He never talks to us about our past. He never talks to us from our past. He always talks to us from our future. He's beckoning us onward. He's trying to bring us somewhere. And so when God is moving amongst a group of people, and we believe that He's moving here, and when God is moving amongst a group of people, they're not going to talk about the past. Are you hearing me today? They're not going to talk about yesterday or what's happening currently. They're going to be obsessed about the future. They're going to be obsessed with the future. And that's why at this church, we're future planners. We, we're dreamers. Are there any dreamers here this morning? We're visionaries. We're, we're, we're people that speak the prophetic. We're, we're, we're talking. We're shooting arrows into our future. That's what we do here at this church. That's what Elevate Ministries is all about and so here we are at the cusp at the beginning of a brand new year and I believe God this year wants to launch something new inside of us I believe he wants to take us somewhere new and and sometimes when you're on the brink of a promise when you're when you're on the doorstep of a promise there's some things that you need to do and so as I was as I began to think about the children of Israel as they were moving into the promised land we talked about that last week I, as I began to think about them moving into the promised land there were several things that they had to do in order to get the promise and those things are that's what I want to talk to you about this morning so if you have your Bibles we're gonna be in Joshua chapter 5 here at the beginning of this message and it's kind of a strange text uh, to kind of, kind of speak out of uh, but hopefully Uh, You'll you'll understand why in a few minutes. Joshua chapter 5, we're going to begin with verse number 1. Amen. The Bible says, So it was when all the kings of the Amorites were on the west side of the Jordan and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea. Who are these people? These These are the enemies that are living in the promised land. Okay. When they heard that the Lord dried up the waters of the Jordan from before the children of Israel and that they had crossed over... Their heart melted, and there was no spirit in them any longer, because they were afraid of the children of Israel. It's a good thing when the enemy's afraid of us. Amen. How many want the enemy? To, I think the enemy should be afraid of us. How many believe that? All right. Verse, verse two. And at that time, the Lord said to Joshua, "Make some flint knives for yourself, and circumcise the sons of Israel again." Somebody say, "Ouch!" Thank you, Betty. Verse 3, so Joshua made flint knives. Now, just think about making those, knowing what you're going to do with them. That is rough. Anyway, so, so Joshua made flint knives for himself, and he circumcised the sons of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. What a name of a place. Can you believe? That's an actual place. Where were you today? I was at the hill of the foreskins. Anyways, verse 4, And and this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the people who came out of Egypt who were males, all the men of war, they died in the wilderness on the way. And and, and so the next generation didn't get get circumcised. Verse 7, then Joshua, he circumcised their sons whom he raised up in their place. For they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised along the way. Verse 8, so it was when he finished circumcising all the people, that they stayed in their places until they were healed. And then the Lord said to Joshua, this day, I have rolled away the repro- reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore, the name of this place is called Gilgal to this day. Now, you're probably thinking, this pastor is crazier than I thought he was. Of all of the topics, of all of the different, different texts that we could be reading this morning, why are we talking about the hill of the foreskins and circumcising? I, well, I'm glad you asked. Because we're talking about moving into our future. And when we're talking about future planning, there are several things we need to do. The first is this. We need to cut away compromise. We need to cut away. In order for us to move forward in the promise, there are some things that got to be cut away. They got to be cut away. And so in the opening of Joshua chapter 5, it says that when the enemies heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan... They, they they why why were they when they heard that they were afraid of the children of israel why well what you have to remember is the children of israel crossed over the jordan it was a repeat of what had taken place 40 years ago 40 years ago you remember moses had his staff right he he walked up to the red sea Behind him was was, the, uh, was the, the, the Egyptians chasing them down, and, and uh, they, they were in bondage, and, and they were just being delivered. They're on their way to the promise, and, and now they've got in front of them the Red Sea, and they've got, they got the Egyptians chasing them from the rear. And so Moses lifts out his staff. The Bible says immediately the Red Sea parts. They march across on dry ground. Then Moses, he, 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 he waves that staff over the, over the Red Sea, and it crashes down snuffing out the Egyptian army all at one time I mean it's an amazing miracle now here we are 40 years later and history is repeating itself here's the children of Israel now they've crossed over on dry land and so the enemies there are thinking hey the same thing that happened to those Egyptians is about to happen to us what that tell us that tells us that our God is a generational God That if god did it before he can do it again all right he's the same yesterday today and forever the same god that opened the red sea opened up the jordan river with the same might with the same power with the same heart he had the same grace the same goodness he's got the same loving kindness and he's alive today can somebody say amen he's the same god now as the god that opened up the red sea and opened up the jordan river and he's going to open it up for us as we move into our future and so so when the enemy heard they're recognizing, oh my gosh, now, now it's going to happen again. God is going to come again. And, and, and it's, it's just an interesting thought. And so here's the enemy, they're afraid, and the people are on the cusp of the promise. Now I started to think about that a little bit. Why was Moses, because we know Moses was the one that took them across the Red Sea. Why was Moses only able to get them up to the promised land? Because we know that's what Moses did, right? Moses took them up to the promised land. He, He was amazing, right? Like Moses is the one that brought water out of a rock. You remember that, right? He was a miracle man. He was the one that, 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 that was able to, 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 to you know, announce manna that they would be able to eat every day, that there was manna that was prepared for them. He, I mean, he was the one that would, would, would get in front of all the people. He would, he would solve all of their problems. He provided quail. I mean, I mean, Moses was kind of the miracle man, but there was something that happened that stopped the children of Israel from going into the promise they were only able to get up to. So why couldn't they go into? Why only up to? Well, I think, as I began to study this out and think about it, there was compromise in Moses' life. There was compromise in Moses' life. Moses, we know, married a lady by the name of Zipporah. She was a Midianite. She was a pastor's kid. Her, her dad was a priest. But, but she lived outside of the covenant that God had made with the children of Israel. See, she was a foreigner. And so Moses married her, and when he married her, he married all of her thoughts, all of her beliefs, and all of that stuff. And so Moses and Zipporah have a couple children, have some some boys. And the covenant that God had made with Moses is that on the eighth day of a male child's life, it's snip-snip time. It's circumcision time. And that circumcision, what did that do? That, That signified covenant between God and his people. It was unique to god's people to be circumcised well well moses has a child with zipporah and she's like wait a second you're not taking a knife to my kid there's been more than one mom that's been like cringing in the hospital right after the baby's born like whoa that's not cool man and Zipporah's like, you're not going to do that. And there began, I would assume, there began to be some strife in, in the marriage. There was issues in their marriage. And rather than being obedient to God, Moses stepped out of that and didn't circumcise his sons. He, he st- the, the thing that signified covenant, what set them apart from everybody else, Moses compromised and said, I'm not going to do that. The Bible says it, went, it got so bad that the Bible says that God sought to kill Moses. I don't know if you ever thought about that first, but God actually went after Moses to kill him because of his disobedience. This is how serious this was. Zipporah seen Moses laying on his deathbed and knowing the reason why, she got a rock and she cut off the four skins herself, and she took him. The Bible says she threw him at Moses. Imagine that. It says, you're a husband of blood to me. I mean, this is like some major stuff going on in their marriage. So, so what happened is, because of Moses' decision, he, he refused to circumcise his sons. Because of that decision, an entire generation of, 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 of God's people, they grew up outside of that covenant. They didn't have that as a part of their lives. And so here's Joshua. He's leading this generation that's outside of covenant, Uncircumcised, he's leading them into the Promised Land. He actually crosses them crosses across the Jordan River, and and now God is telling Joshua. He said, Joshua, there's no way that you can enter the promise outside of the covenant. Are you here today? He says, Joshua, you can't get the promise outside of the covenant. So I want you to make some flint knives. You're gonna have to circumcise these guys. Why is this so important? What does this mean to us? Well, we're a discipleship church. We believe in discipleship, and we're not here to make you feel good. That's not what church is about. Church isn't about, about making you feel good or teaching you how to respond. We're not trying to teach you how to say blessed and highly favored so that whatever happens in your life, your marriage is falling apart, you're, you're massively in debt, your finances are a mess, your kids are out of control. I mean, and then somebody asks you how you're doing, but because you've learned, blessed and highly favored. I'm blessed and highly favored, when, when, when you're not. When you're not, you're, you're not blessed and highly favored when you're living outside of covenant because covenant doesn't look like any of those things. Are you here today? So before you can enter the promise, you first have to enter into covenant. And Moses had neglected this. He neglected to institute this covenant. He didn't want to get into the intimate areas. Did you hear what I said? He didn't want to go into the intimate areas or go into the private areas and and, and bring a little pain. But that's exactly what discipleship looks like, right? It looks like our, our role at elevates not to make you feel all warm and tingly or to tickle your fancy. That's not why we're here. We're a discipleship church, and I'm here today to tell you, before you can get the promise, you've got to walk in covenant. You're going to have to experience some pain in your private. I'm going to say that again. You're going to have to experience some pain in your private. And there's some of you this morning that you'll never enter the future that God has for you because you're compromising in the private areas of your life. And today's the day of a little circumcision. We need to do a little surgery this morning. You've got some compromise in the unseen areas of your life. There's compromise going on in your marriage. There's compromise going on in how you handle your finances. There's compromise in what you're allowing your, your eyes to see and what you're allowing your mouth to say. This compromise and you gotta you gotta maybe initiate a little pain in that private area of your life so that you can get into the promise that God has for you amen so in order for you to enter your future you're gonna have to experience a little pain in your private so God's saying to Joshua I need you to establish the Covenant I want you to go into those areas that they were born with and I want you to cut some stuff off And here's the thing all of us were born with stuff right every single one of us were born we arrived here with some some form of dysfunction and you know our parents did the best they could but our parents also inherited dysfunction so all of us came that way it's just been passed down from generation to generation but when you enter covenant all of that stops covenant signifies the end of the curse but that's not all It doesn't just mean the curse is over it means it's the beginning of blessing you're not the end of a curse you're the beginning of blessing amen the devil doesn't mind you being the end of a curse as long as you don't become the beginning of blessing but God has far more for your life are you hearing me today he wants you to be the beginning of blessing the trajectory of your life and all that follows changes because of covenant it's because of covenant and so here's Joshua he, he's circumcising, and he's circumcised this entire generation of men. And then, then the Bible says in verse 9 that God said, This day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. What was the reproach of Egypt? I mean, I mean it sounds good, you know what I mean? It's, oh, that sounds cool. They rolled away the reproach. It's, it's kind of poetic. But what, what did that mean? What was the reproach of Egypt? Of, of Egypt, I'll tell you what it was. It was the shame of slavery. It was the shame of slavery. You and I, we read it as history, right? We, we, we read about the, the children of Israel being slaves in Egypt. It wasn't history to them. This was how they lived. The, these men, that were now going into the promise, they had reminders all over their body that they were slaves. They had whip marks and beat marks. They, some of them probably were, 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 were carrying some, some form of, uh, of tattoo showing that they were possessed by someone else. And circumcision was now a new sign attached to their body. That when they looked at themselves, they didn't see themselves no, long, no longer. Were they seeing themselves as slaves in Egypt? Now they had evidence... That they were the sons of God and through circumcision these men knew that they didn't belong, they were no longer slaves to Egyptians, but now they were the children of God. How does this affect you? you? You may be asking, I'm glad you asked, because every single one of us, we've come to this earth with levels of dysfunction. You bring with you history and baggage and bondage. And we've been told things like, you're, you're never gonna amount to it. You're not good enough. You didn't get the right education. You were born in the wrong, wrong place. You're the wrong color. You're inadequate. We've all heard that stuff. But I'm here to remind you that you, it's, no, we're not talking about you anymore. Because of covenant, it's Christ in you that we're talking about this morning. Are you with me today? See, the devil, what does he want to do? He wants to take your eyes off God. He wants, he, wants to, he wants to take your eyes off, off God. and He wants to put your eyes on, on, on how you were raised and your upbringing and, and, and all of these different things and try to get you to believe that you're less than based on who you are. That's what happened to these guys. These, 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 children, these guys were slaves for 400 years. Their entire life, that's all they heard. They grew up hearing, You're a slave. Move it, slave. Faster, slave. Oh, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was spoken over and over and over again into their minds. And not only that, it was reinforced with a whip. So not only were they hearing it, they were feeling it with a sting of a whip on their back. Move it, slave. Faster, slave. These guys, they worked 16 to 18 hour days and never were able to have a deed to a property. They weren't able to own any home. They weren't able to to plan for their future. Why? Because they were slaves. They had no rights. When their numbers grew and God increased them, what did Pharaoh do? Pharaoh took every every male child, their brothers and their cousins, their friends. Every male child was thrown into the Nile River and drowned. We're talking about for 400 years this stuff was going on for 10 generations. And here's the thing, many of us, we carry with us a similar mentality. Are you here this morning? We carry with us a similar, like a slave mentality. And and you kind of wonder, well, where does that come from? Guys, it's been there all along. And sometimes we don't even recognize it. It's just kind of buried in our psyche, this victim mindset. And it's there because of words that's been spoken over you and spoken over throughout generations and things that you've grown to believe about yourself. But God says this. He says, when covenant is established, that's gone. All that stuff is gone. I've rolled that away. I've rolled away the reproach. It's the same with us when Jesus went to the cross. Thank God our covenant isn't established with surgery. But our covenant is established because Jesus went to the cross. And the blood that he shed, it was the shedding of blood that was necessary to establish a covenant with us. Hebrews 9.22 says, without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sins. And so Jesus went to the cross, and he shed his blood so that he could enter into a covenant with us. What does that mean? What does that mean? What it means is that when you enter a covenant, whatever they have, you assume. Whatever you have, they assume. So, so when you have that agreement that's made, that covenant, whatever they have, you get. Whatever you have, they get. Are you you following me? So so if the other person has debt and you go into a covenant with them, a marriage covenant, say, their debt becomes your debt. And some of you have experienced that when you got married. Oh my gosh, you spent how much, why? Okay, come on. The opposite is also true. When you enter a covenant, if they have wealth, their wealth becomes your wealth. And some of you also experienced that in marriage. You've got how much? All right, that's how how it happens. So God on the cross, he enters into a covenant with you and I, all right? When I came to God and I got into this covenant, I came to God with debt, a lot of debt. I came to God, I was broke, I was deprived, I was rebellious, I was deceitful, I fell short, I, I mean everything, I was hopeless, I had all kinds of debt on me. But when i came to god he took that debt on himself he assumed that same debt jesus came to pay a debt he didn't owe because i owed a debt i couldn't pay that's what covenant's all about and so god says i'm going to take all of your debt and in, in 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 response to that in return you get everything i have so the apostle paul he understood covenant right and so everything that Paul writes about, he writes from an understanding. He understood covenant. And when he says in Philippians 4:19 that my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory, he wasn't using hyperbole there. That wasn't some form of exaggeration. He wasn't trying to be positive. That's not what was going on. Paul understood covenant. He understood that whatever God has, I have access to that's what covenant means today and you in covenant with God means God's assumed all of your debts he's he's assumed it all and you have inherited all of his wealth you've inherited his blessing you've inherited all not because of your performance aren't you grateful for that not because of your behavior it's not it's not because of your behavior it's because of the Savior alright and that rhymes that's amazing It's not because of your behavior. It's the life of the Savior this morning. Are you here today? And this is the reason, because of the covenant, that I inherited all that heaven has for me. Do I deserve it? Do you deserve it? No. Absolutely not. I came into this relationship, this covenant relationship with God, broke, depraved. That's how I entered in. I came in messed up. How many, how many agree with that? And we're like that too? Come on, I came messed up, in chains, dysfunctional. And God, Jesus took my sinfulness. He took my chains. He, he broke them. He paid all of my debts. And now because of that, because of covenant with God, I'm an heir to the promise. There's a future for me. Amen. So what is it in your life? What, what's in your life that's stopping covenant? Because if you aren't in covenant with God you're not going to have the promise I mean you can get up to the promise you can cross into it you can be excited about it you can see the miracles i mean these guys were children of the lord but in order for them to get the future they couldn't enter the future as slaves they had to enter it as sons and that that happens in covenant relationship with god some of us in this place we've got we've got some compromise like what happened in moses life a refusal to enter covenant disobedience in areas of our lives and it stopped the promise in Moses life and I'm telling you what it'll stop the promise in your life what is keeping you from covenant relationship with God let's cut it off yes. yeah, come, on, it. come on let's cut it off compromise let's cut it off right here at the beginning of this year on the cusp of a promise we're talking about the future let's let's cut off the compromise amen so number one first thing we got to do to get into the promise is we got to cut off the compromise number two we got to change our language Come on, turn to your neighbor, neighbor and say, change your language. You got to change our language. What kept the previous generation? I want you to think about this. What kept the previous generation out of the promise? Well, one of it was compromised. We just saw that. But a second thing that I see is their language. In Numbers 13, 33, we, we referenced this last week. The spies went in. They came back. They gave the report, and they said this. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own sight, And we appeared the same to them. These guys had the language of victims. That's what they have. They they said, we're not able to do this. They said, it's impossible. We're like, an entire generation was kept out of the promise. And part of the reason was because of their language. It's because how they were talking. So here's God. God's got this great promise ahead. He's already foreshadowed what it looks like. And these guys, they ruined it. How did they ruin it? Their language. They ruined it by spreading unbelief. An entire nation of people were walking in fear. Why? Because of these guys and what they said. Their past got got in the way and it came out of their mouth. There's another story about a guy by the name of Zacharias. Zacharias was John the Baptist's dad. He was also a priest and he was an old dude. His wife had been barren. So one day he's at work. Gabriel shows up. Now, I don't know if, about you, but that'd be pretty crazy. You're at work, just kind of doing your thing, and all of a sudden, Gabriel shows up. That's, like a, that's not like an everyday occurrence, normal, like, oh yeah, what's up, Gabriel, how you doing? That wouldn't be like that. And I'm sure it wasn't like that for Zacharias either. He's like, whoa, whoa, it's crazy. Gabriel, what are you doing here? And Gabriel says, you're about to have a son. About, and, and, and all of a sudden, Zacharias, the Bible says, he, he kind of takes a step back and he's like, Gabriel, what? you should have been here 30 years ago. It's too late now. This is what he says. He says, it's too late. And there's no way my wife, he begins to speak unbelief, right? He's talking to Gabriel. And he's, he's arguing with Gabriel. This is nuts. He's arguing with the promise. God's messenger, Gabriel. And Gabriel's like, dude, are you serious? Is this, is normal for you to speak to angels, for God to send a messenger to kind of give you a message? And, you know, it's so normal that you're just gonna argue with it. He's like, you know what? I'm not even gonna hear it. Mute. Right, isn't that what happens? And Gabriel says, Zacharias, you're not even gonna say a word until the baby's born. I'm not gonna let a word come out of your mouth. You know why? Because you're gonna ruin it. You're gonna ruin it for everybody. God's trying to usher in the Savior of the world, you're going to jack the whole thing up by your words. Because language is powerful. How do I know language is powerful? Think back in the Old Testament. Nimrod's got this great plan that he's going to build this tower up into the heavens. And, 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 and they were being successful. Like it was, the job was getting done. And God said, I'm not going to allow this to happen. How did he stop it? He confused their language language is powerful the Bible says in Proverbs 8 8, 18 21 he says this the Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue now I've read that my whole life I've even made like New Year's resolutions based on that scripture some of you have done the same thing oh man I'm not gonna speak death anymore only speak in life how many guys made that resolution from now on only positive, life giving words are going to exit this mouth from now on. How many of you have ever done that? I've done that many times. Problem is, I'm terrible at it. I'm terrible at it. Very, very bad. Namely, when I'm thinking about other people, but we'll just use myself as an example. So I, I, I'm only going to speak life. From now on, God, I'm only going to speak life. And then, and then I mess up and do something stupid. And I say to myself, you're such an idiot. What a doofus. And I'm like, dang, wait a second. I said I'm only speaking life. That's death. Can't do that. Oh, my gosh. Stop doing that, Adam. A few seconds later, Adam, you're such a doofus. What is wrong with you? You'll never be able. And all of a sudden, I'm like, wait a second. That's death. I can't speak that. That's not right. And all of a sudden, I have this, like, epiphany. It, it says death and life are in the power of the tongue. And God, he created us to do both this is gonna be freeing for some of you in here today he created us to speak life and to speak death the problem is is we screw it up because we speak life to things that are supposed to die and we speak death to things that are supposed to live so we'll say well I'll never be able to do that I'll never be able to buy that I'll never be able to I'll never be able to get ahead and we're speaking life to things that should die and God's saying Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And so what do we have to do? We don't have to stop speaking death. We just change the language. And we start speaking death to the things that are supposed to die. We start speaking life to the things that need to live. Amen. Are you with me today? The Bible says in Luke 6, 45, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now, I want to show you this as it relates to this text. Because at the beginning of Joshua, it's the conquest of God's people into the promised land. And so in chapter 1 of Joshua verse number 3, powerful, I mean you guys know this scripture. God speaks to Joshua and he says this. He says he says, "Joshua, I want you to meditate on my word day and night and don't let it depart from your mouth." Isn't that what God says? And then it says this, "For then you will make your way prosperous and you'll have good success." And so God, come on, he he puts together He says what you speak out of your mouth is what's going to allow you to, to, to be prosperous and have success. And so how does God get Joshua saying the right things? It's right there. He says meditate on my word day and night and don't let it depart from your mouth. God is able to change what's coming out of Joshua's mouth by getting Joshua to change the diet of what's going in his heart. Are you seeing that so the question is for you and i is what do you feed in your heart what is the narrative that you're allowing to get inside of your heart you see if you if you if you you allow your heart just to kind of have a free for all I want to be a well-balanced individual you know i want to hear everything i want to kind of get a little bit and so so you get the narrative from all places i'm going to watch the news i'm going to i'm going to go through social media i'm going to watch all this entertainment watch all of these movies i'm going to play the video games i'm doing look, look if you just feed yourself this well-balanced narrative and spend 15 minutes in god's word or whatever listen if you if you put more negativity in your heart guess what's going to come out you, you will find your heart filled with anxiety and so what's gonna come out of your mouth is anxiety you're gonna find your heart filled with negativity and fear and and chaos and so what's gonna come out of your mouth is exactly the same stuff but if you can fill your heart with the Word of God the Bible tells us what happens when that takes place in Psalm 1 we just read it day one of the Bible January 1st it says blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or take seat in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of, or the word of God and who meditates on his word day and night, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, yielding fruit in season and, and whose leaf does not wither and whatever. Are you guys looking at that? Whatever they do prospers. Guys, if you wanna change what's coming out of your mouth, change what's going into your heart. Are you hearing me today? You gotta change your language. If you wanna get into the promise of God, you gotta change your language. How do I do that, Pastor Adam? You change what's going into your heart, and what's going into your heart is gonna come out your mouth. If you you start declaring what's in your heart, the promises of God, the truth of God's word, guess what you're gonna get? You're gonna get that, and everything you do, come on somebody, will prosper, amen. So we cut off the compromise, we change our language, and, the, and the, last, the last thing I think we need to do is we gotta dream again. Come on, turn your neighbor and say dream again. Dream again. Like, like command it, say dream again. So God tried to, tried to plant a dream in these children of Israel. He tried to plant a dream in their heart. He says, I'm gonna give you a land, it's gonna be awesome, it's gonna be flowing with milk and honey. Right, I mean, he gave them this massive dream. I mean, they've endured. You'd think that they would be like, dude, that would be like, oh, okay, I've seen your power. You've, you've, you've split the Red Sea, you've split the Jordan River. I mean, you've, you've defeated our enemies. You'd think that when God says, I'm giving you this land, they'd be like, thank God, about time, right? That's what, that's what you'd think would happen. But I think when you experience enough whips on your back right? And we have enough disappointment and you've suffered enough pain. When you've seen your brother ripped out of your mother's arm and thrown into the Nile, you know what I mean? When those kind of things happen repetitively in your life, I think naturally you stop dreaming, right? Like naturally, you just kind of stop dreaming. But, but the Bible talks about a guy, his name was Joseph. And Joseph, it was a, what was interesting about Joseph is Joseph dreamed again, See, I think there's a lot of people in here that, yeah, you had a dream, or you, you, you once were so excited about the future, but because of time and different things that have taken place, maybe namely 2020, stuff like that happened in your life, and all of a sudden, the ability to dream about the future or think about the future is just kind of hindered. And, and that's kind of what's going on, on with, with, with the children of Israel and also with Joseph, because the Bible says that Joseph has this dream. He's so excited about it, he tells his brother, he tells his family. And the Bible says that, that, that he tells him this dream, and it's an exciting dream. And his brothers begin to mock him. They ridicule him. And then they just begin to, they, they, they begin to, to become envious of him and hate him. Even his own parents rebuked him for having a dream. And then you read just, a, just a, a couple verses later, after experiencing all of that, what's different about Joseph is that the Bible says that in Genesis 37, 9, he dreamed another dream. And so there was something about Joseph that he was able, even when the first dream that he had didn't work out like he thought it would, he was was still able to dream again. He was able to dream again. I I begin to think about that. Why was he able to do that? Why was he able to do that? His his 11 brothers didn't do that. Why was Joseph able to do that? And, And the only difference between, I can see, between Joseph and his brothers was that it was there it was something that was kind of significant about Joseph that none of his brothers had. And that was the coat of many colors. The technicolor dream coat, all right? That Joseph wore. And we all know the story we learned about it in Sunday Sunday school that 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 Joseph somehow he he had he had received the father's favor. He he was the favorite of his dad. And because of that, Joseph's dad made him a coat of many colors something very significant, and and put it on Joseph. Could Joseph's ability to dream again be linked to that somehow? You see, here's here's what I think. I think Satan knows that if you obtain the Father's favor, dreams will awaken inside of you. I think Satan knows that. He knows that if, if you obtain God's favor... Like if that knowledge hits you, that you'll be able to dream like you've never dreamed before. And so what is Satan's tactic? What does he want to do? What he wants to do is he wants to convince you you're not God's favorite, right? That seems obvious, right? So what does Satan do? He'll say, hey, well, look at your performance. Hey, you, 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 you didn't really read the Bible that much. Last year, you, you, you did the Bible reading plan until about March. Great job. Fail. And so is going to point out all of the different areas where your performance didn't line up, where you didn't quite make it, the things that you did or the things that you didn't do. He'll say things like, man, it was just Christmas. You spent more time opening presents than you did in my presence. That was pretty cool, huh? That was good. And so what happens is is we kind of feel like, man, we don't have the favor of God because of what we did or what we didn't do. You know what I'm talking about? So, so here's what I want you to see. When God spoke about his son, Jesus, this is what God said. He said, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. And then the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, all things become new. So if you're in Christ, you are the one that God is well pleased with. Do you see that? So what does Satan want to do? Satan wants to get you out of Christ, because he knows what happens when you're in Christ. So he wants to get you out of Christ and into performance. And he wants you to base your relationship with God on performance, because if he can do that, he knows he can disqualify you based on your performance. Here's the thing, Joseph didn't wear the coat because he had perfect behavior. Joseph didn't wear the coat because he was morally upright. He didn't wear the coat because, because of anything on externally. He wore the coat because Joseph's dad gave it to him and placed it on him. Are you hearing me today? He didn't earn it. He didn't buy it. He, and we can't earn it. We can't buy it. You can't earn the Father's favor. God places it on you. Let me explain it like this. When God created woman, how did he do it? He took Adam put him into a deep sleep, pulled a rib out, fashioned the woman, brought Eve to Adam and said, and so Adam looks at Eve for the first time. And he's like, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Jesus is the second Adam. In the same way, God brought him to this earth and put him into a deep sleep. He went on the cross and said, it is finished. And when he did that, I want you to hear this when jesus because of what jesus did it created sons and daughters so that when jesus looks at you jesus says bone of my bone flesh of my flesh righteousness of my righteousness holiness of my holiness that's what jesus says when he looks at you as adam was eve was as jesus was we are somebody say amen to that where's that in the bible you ask. I'm glad you asked. Second Corinthians 521 says this, God made him who knew no sin to become sin that you might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So that means when I stand before God, when you stand before God, God doesn't see myself. He doesn't see me. He sees the reflection of his own glory. He sees the reflection of his own righteousness. And here's the truth, man, I know my depravity, as you do. Like I'm reminded of all my weaknesses, all my sin, all my shortcomings, all my failures, but the Bible says that I don't stand before God in myself. Like I'm not presented to God in myself. I stand before God in Christ. In Christ, what was God doing with Adam? He was bringing out Eve and other sons and daughters, a helpmate that's comparable to him. What was God doing with Jesus? He was executing his entire plan to bring out of Jesus sons and daughters, the bride of Christ. And because of that, you and I are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So why in the world are you listening to the devil? Why are you listening to the accusations of the enemy and and, and hearing all of the reasons that you're disqualified? Why are you living under what God has placed you over and called you to rule over? Why are you living chained and enslaved to the things that God's already set you free from? God has set you over. He's delivered you. Come on, he's set you free. He's already broken every chain. Do you believe that today? And guess what? He's assumed your debt. He's canceled it all. He's paid it in full, and he's put on the... The favor of God on you. Come on, you have the favor of God on you. And so I'm telling you today, you gotta dream again. You gotta dream again. What's been lost? What's been lost? Listen, let it go. Dream again. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come up, and as they do, I want to read a scripture with you. Because I think it speaks to this whole future and promised land. It's in Deuteronomy 3:13. this is this is God speaking to his people before they cross the Jordan they're on the, they're on the doorstep and that's where I think we are at we're on the doorstep of the promise, we're on the doorstep of the future it's exactly where the children of Israel were. They're looking at this massive river, it's flooding. They're looking over at the promised land that God said is theirs, flowing with milk and honey. They know there's a job to do they know there's enemies in the land, they know it's not going to be necessarily easy But God speaks to him check this out and God says this he says God himself is gonna cross over ahead of you and he will destroy these nations before you and you will take possession of their land see I think I think one of the problems that we have is this we all have this is we like to kind of picture God as like our personal God and he is okay When we think of it we think of it in terms of right here right now you know this is my need right here right now god i need you right here right now and so we kind of picture god that he's kind of like navigating this life as we navigate it you know when we pray he answers it based on our need you know right then and there but that's not how god works you see we live in time god stepped outside of time he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't live in time, he, he, he's the end and the beginning all at the same time, you know what I mean? And so we, we like to think that, well, well he's, you know, God's right here, right now, but here's the truth, God is in the future. We wanna think, well, God's here, 10, January 10th, God's with me, and he is. But guess what, he's already in February. Yeah, he's in your today, but he's also in your tomorrow. He, he's, 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 he's already in February guys he's orchestrating March guess what he's setting up May right now like he's what's he doing well just look at that scripture what's God doing in May and March and in December what's he doing well he's crossing over ahead of you and he's destroying the enemies before you so that you can take possession of their land think about what happened so Joshua makes some flint knives Circumcise all those dudes the hill of the foreskins messy sight. they take a little while to heal up but now all of a sudden these guys they look at themselves and all of us they don't just see the, the marks of being a slave now there's a mark of covenant and they look and they, they realize I'm not a slave anymore I'm in covenant with God what I was he assumed what he has i get i get the promise and all of a sudden they because they they began to understand that what began to come out of their mouth changed they began to speak differently it changed their language they began to dream about taking that mountain overcoming that enemy they began to think about owning a home for the first time being able to have property and land being able to raise their kids, able to go to church and worship, all of a sudden their dreams began to come alive. Come on, all it took, all it took was covenant with God, a language change and a dream. And so they go into the promised land, after they heal up, get what happens next. Well, they go to their first battle, where is it? It's Jericho. Man, it's a big time battle. These big walls, fortified horses and chariots running around on top, of I me. Mean, it's, it's a crazy enemy. Like, how in the world are we gonna do this? Guess what? The battle is already done. God's already, just like he said, I'm already, I'm going ahead of you. I, I'm gonna destroy the nations before you get there. And so they get in there and all they have to do is shout some praise. You see that? All they have to do is shout praise. The walls come down. The enemy's defeated. I, I have a feeling that if God did it that way before, he can do that again. He can do that again. And so here's the thing. I know it's hard in this time and season to get our minds off everything that's happening and the narrative's going on. But I'm going to tell you something. You're not a slave. This world is not your home. You don't live here. You're not a resident here, who cares? We're all consumed with, oh my gosh, what's happening? God already knows, He's, he's already at the end. He's orchestrating all of this as part of his plan. Check it out, God's okay with what's going on. And so can we be okay with what's going on? Like if God's okay with it, can I be okay? Can I sit back and recognize like God, I'm in covenant with you. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I don't have to listen to this narrative and just allow this narrative to keep repeating and repeating and repeating and causing my mind to go further and further and further. Instead, God, I'm going to fill my heart. I'm going to fill my heart with the word of God, with the promises of God. And what's going to come out of my mouth is what's in my heart. I'm going to begin to speak the promises and the future and the prophecy. I'm going to begin to dream again, Lord. I'm going to begin to dream again because I know that I've obtained the Father's favor, not because of what I've done, but because of what you've done. I'm covenant with you that what I my debt you paid Lord that, that everything that I had you took Lord. that what everything you have I now own and so God because of that come on if you believe this we you stand your feet let's enter and begin to pray today Lord I believe today come on say I believe this morning I believe that everything you've given me is through covenant the blood of Jesus Lord it makes it possible and Lord, I don't have to rely on my own strength I don't have to rely on the things that I've done Lord but I can stand in I'm not in performance I'm in Christ and because I'm in Christ Lord I can be in covenant with you I can obtain your favor Lord I can allow the promises of God to become the future that I declare father in Jesus name come on in this place today how many want the future promise for your family if that's you raise your hand that's me that's me I want the future for my family you say I want the future for my finances what God says about my finances I want it to be true I want to be blessed and prosper. Come on, if that's you. Raise your hands. Hey, that's me. I want the promise of God. And so I'm making a decision right now. I'm going to cut away compromise. I'm going to cut away compromise right now. Right now, right now. Anyone in this room? Areas of compromise come on right now God's dealing with you there's areas of compromise it's time to cut it off and it's a little painful in the private areas to get rid of that but I want to tell you something when you do come on walking in covenant you can enter the promise as a son you'll never enter it as a slave so if you're if you're in compromise right now you need to get it right if that's you all of this place so you know what I'm cutting the compromise I'm cutting the compromise lift your hand up all over this room in, in, in one or more areas of my life I'm gonna cut the compromise in Jesus name I pray right now right now over every hand that's lifted come on keep that hand lifted up over every hand that's lifted lord every every issue every private thing lord that we've tried to hide and we've tried to live with Lord, we recognize we'll never enter the promises, slaves only as sons you've paid for that and so lord we're gonna cut it off we're gonna cut it off it's been bought and paid for by the blood of jesus lord we thank you today that we're in covenant and we don't have to live bound anymore come on you can live free in jesus name come on right now I just declare that i'm free in jesus name compromise No more in Jesus' name. Not even a hint, not even a hint anymore in Jesus' name. Come on, come on. I'm gonna change my language. Somebody right here in this room, you need to raise your hand to that. I'm gonna change my language. I'm gonna stop repeating the narrative of the world and I'm gonna start repeating the narrative of God. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand all over this place. That's me. Come on. I'm gonna change my language. There's power in your language. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. I'm gonna speak life to things that need to live and I'm gonna speak death to things that need to die. In Jesus' name, come on. In Jesus' name, if that's you, come on, declare that. I'm changing my language. I'm changing my language, Lord, and I'm gonna begin to dream again. Come on, come on, someone in this room, I'm gonna begin to dream again. I'm gonna begin to dream again. Lord, I've obtained the favor of God. Lord, you've placed favor on my life, and Lord, I thank you today. Lord, that as a because I have your favor, I can dream big dreams. I can dream impossible dreams. Come on, some of you in this room say, "Lord, awaken the dream inside of me." Come on, awaken the dream inside of me, Lord. Help me to dream big about my family, Lord. Help me to dream big about ministry, Lord. Help me to dream big about finances, Lord. Help me to dream big, Lord, about my personal life, Lord. In Jesus' name, help me making a decision. I'm dreaming big. Come on. If that you lift your hand. I'm dreaming big. I'm dreaming big. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we're gonna be dreamers. We're gonna be talking about the future. We're gonna prophesy and shoot arrows. Go, Lord. We're gonna be people of vision in Jesus' name. Come on, come on. Help me believe that this morning. Amen. I know breakthrough is coming. In Sing it. And I know breakthrough is coming.